it's Leslie Dirksen, and I'm one of the hosts of the Compel podcast. On today's episode, Jessica Martin is joining us to share about church development in Northern Canada. This is a field dear to our hearts because it's our own backyard, and we look forward to hearing from her and the many Indigenous peoples in Canada that are still waiting to hear the gospel message. So welcome to the Compel podcast, how ordinary women spread the gospel story. I'm sitting here with Leslie Dirksen and Jessica Martin. So Jessica, you guys just graduated from the training program at Ethnos Canada and now are preparing to move your family up north to be involved with church development there. I think a lot of us are surprised to hear that there are unreached people groups within our own country. I know that's my that was my first response. Um, how did you and Jordan hear about the needs for missionaries to go to northern Canada? Yeah, we, we felt the same way. When we heard about the needs, we thought, man, if everything's in this backyard here why why go across seas mm. and bring our whole family there when it's right here yeah so how many people groups are there in northern canada and who exactly would ethnos canada be working with up north well right now we're the first family to go up everything's brand new wow. for ethnos up north so um right now it's just our family and we're going uh to a an indigenous people group that's right above Quebec. Mm. So um, it's an Inuit community. And they're, I mean, far, far north. There's no road up there. It's fly-in, um, fly-in only, and it's it's Arctic. Yeah, wow, that is crazy. And you said it's close to Quebec? Yes. So how many hours north of Quebec? It's a 20-hour drive to La Grande Airport um, from here, and it's all north. And from La Grande, it's still a four-hour flight up. Wow. And that's on an actual flight. And if you can imagine, I mean, you have to probably go pretty high above the clouds to stay away from the ice and cold. Wow. So I'm sure that most of that is just climbing and then descending because it's really not that, f- I mean, it's far, but for a plane, you mm. would think it would get there a lot faster than that. But yeah, it's it's straight north. It's as far north as you can get in yeah. Quebec. Wow. So... Since you ha- you cannot drive there, you all have to fly. What are the flight costs like for your family of, you have seven now? Yep. Okay. <laughs> Not seven kids, but seven. We have a family of seven yeah. now. So if we were to fly straight from Montreal, mm-hmm. it would be 3000 per person round trip. That is crazy. Even yeah. the kids? It, the kids are the exact same. If you take a seat, they charge you full oh price. Word. And I, we haven't looked into baggage or anything like that, so we have no idea what added costs there are for that. But out of Lagrand, it's 692 each way. Mm. Um, but again, like I said, it's a 20-hour drive yeah. from here. So that's a few-day trip for us to, to get up there. And who knows what the road conditions yeah. are like up there. And depending on what time of year we're going up, it could be pretty difficult. And I we haven't done the drive before, so mm. I don't know. Are there houses along the way? Or, you know, what if something happens? Mm. So well, even just thinking, like, if I, you know, went off the road here in Durham area, the, like, the police car might not even come because of the snow. But I can't even imagine when you're so far north mm. and there's no one from 
hundreds of miles or kilometers. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Okay, I have so many questions, but I think we'll just cover it when we go along. But Mm -hmm. I'm just so fascinated because how are you going to get your stuff there? How are, where are you going to live? Are you going to get a vehicle? Anyways, we'll probably cover all that, but it's just, Mm -hmm. wow. I think I'm overwhelmed with the thought that like in a way, even though you're in Canada, you Mm -hmm. are going overseas. That's crazy. Well, you mentioned the price being 3000 per person. Like that is more expensive than our flight to get all the way to our country that we're serving in Asia. And then within our country, like the price difference is just so extreme. If if you were to see this for yourself, I mean, the conditions, mm-hmm. you would understand at that point. It is so out there. I mean, in the middle of nowhere, you're flying over just tundra. There's mm-hmm. no trees up there for hours. And yeah, past the tree line, and you're just looking around thinking, what on earth? There are people who live up here. Yeah. And you finally come across this tiny little village in the middle of nowhere, surrounded by snow. Mm. And you think, man, I can't even believe that there's people out here yeah. and that there are flights that come out here to begin with. Yeah. So you guys would have to fly in all of your groceries. Is that right? Yeah. So... The any anybody that's up there um, that belongs up there, any Inuit, mm-hmm. they have subsidies, right? Like mm-hmm. so, things are a little bit cheaper for them. Mm-hmm. But for somebody like us, it will be very expensive. Wow. Um, so, our hope is to to have shipments of stuff sent in. Um, it may even be once a year that we have uh, a barge goes mm-hmm. up there in the summers. So if we take up a space with food. And um, have it sent up on the barge once a year and just get something in bulk. I mean, I couldn't imagine with a family our size. Oh my goodness, yeah, there's would. no Costco. <laughs> no. So what about, okay, for example, toilet paper. How much would it cost to buy toilet paper? <laughs> that was actually really surprising to me when I saw the price of, of a package of toilet paper was almost $60. Oh, my word. Yeah, and I thought, you know, this is so lightweight. Why would it cost so much? Yeah. I don't know. It was $60. That's Crazy. Yeah, I snapped a picture of it because I couldn't believe it. Yeah, I'll never but... complain again. <laughs> I, th- I remember you telling me, Lauren, that someone told you that a bag of Doritos was seventeen dollars. Oh, that it was or... Jordan. He okay. he thought, oh, you know what? I'm going to get everybody a bag of Smart Food. So we had a bunch of people staying in the house, and he thought to himself, I'm going to get everybody a special treat. Went into the store, grabbed the Smart Food. Put it on the counter and found out it was $17 for a thing of smart food. Um, So you shared a little bit what it looks like, which is just so remote and just so, like, there's no trees. What is life like in that area? Because if the terrain is so different, what is life like for these people that are so isolated up there? Yeah, isolated is a a good word for Mm. it. Uh, When we were out there, like I said, when we, especially when we landed I mean, you're just looking out and there is nothing. Mm. You can't go into the next town. I mean, the nearest village is a seven to eight hour skidoo trip north. And that's the closest thing that there is out there. And that village that I'm saying is like has a population of less than a thousand. So Mm. it's there's not there's nothing. I mean, you you go and you're just surrounded by water on one side, which obviously when it's frozen, it's just ice and snow. And then the land behind you, and it's, I mean, it's just nothing. Wow. So what do, what do those local people eat? So a lot of uh, what, they, what they do is hunting, fishing, 
Um, and like I said, they do have some subsidies, so they do live off of what they can get at the grocery store. There's two grocery stores up there, the co-op and the, and the northern. Mm. In most of these northern communities, you'll find at least a northern. And you can buy just about anything there. But again, it's going to cost an arm and a leg. A lot of people will have stuff sent up from Amazon. And the funny thing is with Amazon, when it first came out and they had their two-day free shipping, Uh before they caught on to the fact that these communities are so isolated, they shipped up there for free. Wow. And people were buying things like mattresses and, I mean, crazy things and having them sent (laughs) up there in Amazon. (laughs) Finally, uh stopped doing that when they caught on to it. Amazon Prime. (laughs) (laughs) One of the benefits. (laughs) Oh, that's funny. Um, So instead of of you guys dealing with extreme tropical heat, you guys are dealing with extreme Arctic cold. How do you prepare yourself for that type of weather? Yeah, I thought that I knew winter until we went up there. And honestly, when we went up, it was spring. And mm. it reached negative 40 wow. with a, a wind chill of negative 60. Wow. So we were out on the tundra um, the night that it got down to, to that cold. And like I said, it was spring <laughs> and, and clear too, uh, no snow. So I couldn't even imagine when it's storming out there. Mm. But yeah, we our faces hurt. You take your gloves off for even a second and your hands are just, it's yeah. like pins and needles. And But the, the people up there, they're so strong. I'm telling you, they... They ride around on their skidoos with their their jackets unzipped and no hoodie on, oh nothing covering their faces. The women just have their ponytails and they're just riding around that, on their skidoos. Wow. And we're here, you know, faces covered, hats over, you know, heads <laughs> and just shivering. So wow. it's it's definitely something for our family to to adjust to. And mm. we didn't take the kids up with us, so I couldn't. I couldn't imagine what it's going to be like with yeah. kids, and I'm sure we'll be indoors a lot more than we're used to. And we have all boys, so <laughs> high energy. Uh, we didn't get a chance to see it, but there is a gymnasium there and a hockey rink. So they do have some okay. things that we're able to go to with our boys and yeah. get some energy out when it's as cold as it, as it gets. So yeah. we've thought through all of that and <laughs> the house that we have um, available to us up there as well is pretty small mm. at this point. So eventually we would have to maybe add to it just so that we can have a little bit more space with mm. all of us inside as much as as we will be. So for sure, the, the boys are going to need a little bit of running around and yeah, they're not going to always want to be out in the cold and getting frostbite. <laughs> Yeah, it's it's definitely. I mean, the kids up there, like I said, they adjust so well. Um, we do have people that go up, like nurses and mm. doctors, and sometimes they do bring their families up there. And we've been told that you'd be surprised how, how fast you adjust, mm. as well as kids. I mean, kids are so resilient. And uh, well, another thing that a lot of people have told us is that you'd be surprised at how much you love it. Mm. And that's so encouraging. I, I, it is very yeah. encouraging. I mean, that's probably one of my biggest fears, right, is mm. just the extreme cold yeah. and the kids. What about electricity and internet? Like, is that a luxury there or do, is that does everyone have that? So internet, it, it might as well be non-existent. They do have Wi-Fi, but it's so slow that you couldn't, you really can't do anything up there. So 
in reality, it's you're pretty much off grid. You can use a phone and snail mail pretty easily, um, but yeah, the internet is so slow that it's you're, it's not something that we'll probably use very often, okay. if anything. And they also, I guess, charge per usage. So as you're using it, you're being charged for how much you're using. Wow. And I don't know what that cost is, but I've heard it's just different up there mm-hmm. with how it's done. So will you be homeschooling your kids? Yeah, so this is another thing we've thought a lot through, especially because of how cold it is and isolated. Will it be a good idea for us to homeschool? Mm. I think that um, we'll definitely be doing a lot of homeschooling, but I'm, my hope is to be able to put the boys in to the public school system at least a little bit so they can get to know the language, mm-hmm. Inuktitut. And they also do French and English immersion for half of the day as well. Mm-hmm. Um, so it might might be something, at least in the beginning, to put them in the English portion of it, at least until they get to know the kids and, and to adjust well at that point and to get them out of the house as well. But we don't know all of the details yet, but these are things that we've kind of thought of that might be a possibility. Yeah. Well, that's, that's nice having options. So that's really cool. So when you guys, um, you and Jordan went up for culture study or to do survey work, did you experience anything that maybe showed you the reality of the needs of workers to bring the gospel up north? Yeah, um, I can't share anything specific just because it, it, you know, it's not necessarily a good thing. But the the North has the highest suicide rates mm-hmm. in the world, in the world, and um, I don't know if we can put this in there. Okay. Um, but when we went in March a couple of years ago, and from March until that October, there were twelve suicides. And it's like when one one suicide happens, mm. it's like this giant explosion of them. And a mm. lot of them will say, you know, well, so-and-so visited me and told me to do it, you know, and or is telling me to commit suicide. And for some reason, that seems to be a thing, you know, like somebody dies or commits suicide, and all of a sudden that person has visited them and is telling them to join them. Mm. And so it's spiritism Mm -hmm. is very real up there and um it gives me chills just to think about it but it's just i mean where there's darkness satan rules right and so it's it's just a visible way to see that there is such a need up there and i wouldn't say that there is a thriving church if you know there's the, the highest suicide rates so they're, there's just, they're living with very little hope and they're so isolated up there yeah. that, I mean, they, they desperately need Christ. So what are some fascinating cultural bits that you have learned as you are in culture acquisition? Yeah, so when we went up there, one th- the biggest thing that I've noticed that they are such a community. Mm. They don't even knock when they walk into a house. Oh, really? So it's the cultural way. They know that you are a nook if you just walk right in without knocking. Mm. Uh, they know you're a Holonach if you knock on the door <laughs> right away. So, yeah, just very much a community living aspect. So they are always around each other. And there's a sewing shop that women go to from 9 in the morning until 9 at night every day. Wow. And these women just go. They sew parkas and snow pants for each other and clean out seal skins. And it's a really neat thing to see. And they just talk to each other mm-hmm. about life and 
um, what's going on in their families. And I really think that that could be a huge ministry opportunity, Mm -hmm. you know, and a way that we can connect with them as well. It's something that they're open to outsiders coming in and and they're in fact excited because Mm -hmm. they can share their culture with outsiders. So we're really excited to to get to know the people in, in mm-hmm. that way. You mentioned that they were cleaning seal skins. What do they make with seal skins? So they have uh, boots that they make with seal skin. They, they make just about anything mm-hmm. with them. Do anything they, they can, gloves, them? hats. Um, yeah, so they the boots that they have are, I mean, seriously amazing. It's just skin. And they keep you warmer than, I mean, there's, what, $1,000 boots out mm. there that, I mean, they keep your feet warmer than anything man-made, for sure. And it, they just slide right on, and they leave them on indoors, outdoors. They're like little moccasins, but boots, yeah. you know. And I guess you don't have to worry about tracking in dirt. Exactly. Because <laughs> it's all snow. Nope. And it's it's so cold that it's crisp snow, too. So it, yeah. there's, oh, yeah, it's not wet at all. Yeah. It's all dry. Wow. So do they hunt for these seals, too, or is that? Yes. Yeah, and sometimes they'll go out for days to do this, and we didn't experience it when we were up there. It wasn't the the time of year for that, but yeah, they all go out. The men go out together, and I think the women join them as well sometimes. But again, we didn't get to experience that, so I don't know for mm-hmm. sure. But yeah, that's it's a big thing up there. Yeah. So you mentioned some of your fears is like the weather is really cold. What? Also, are, are you nervous for this next step of moving up there or, yeah? Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> I would lie if I said that I wasn't <laughs> scared. Um, when I went up there, I honestly think I could live up there no problem. Mm-hmm. I was surprised at how well I did up there. But when I think about bringing our five boys mm-hmm. up there, that's when I start thinking, okay, man, can we really do this? Mm-hmm. Can we do this? And And I thought, you know what? with the Lord, we can do anything. And we're not going for us. We're not going to be comfortable. We were planning on living in some remote village in, you know, Papua New Guinea or Brazil or somewhere where it's extremely hot, you know, and that's uncomfortable as well. And I mean, it's, yeah, this is what we signed up for. And, you know, the more we thought about it, I mean, God's grace is sufficient to get us through anything. And yeah, we're going to, to reach people with the gospel, and that's why we're going. We're not going for the comfort. Mm-hmm. So do the Inuit have a Bible translated in their heart language yet? They do, but they've only had it since 2012. So that's really not much time for yeah. a, believers to grow, for a church to grow. Um, so our hope is, you know, when we go north that if we do meet believers to walk alongside them give them the tools that they need to study scripture for themselves but then also to teach others mm. and i mean that's our biggest goal so especially once after we've learned inuktitut and the culture which will take a long time yeah. to get to that point we we really hope to to give them the tools that they need to to grow in their faith so how can we be praying for your family and the Northern Canada teams? Yeah, so right now we're all doing MPD, Ministry Partnership Development. Mm-hmm. So just praying for us to to build relationships with people and um, raise the, the support needed to, to go up. Um, but right now as well, 
pray for strength in families and marriages and Satan will try and destroy anything um, if he sees that people are going to bring the gospel anywhere and he will attack marriages and families at at their weakest points. So please just pray for strength Mm -hmm. for our families. Yeah, that's a good reminder. Our listeners not, might not be familiar with the Inuktitut language, but what script is it in? So it's in syllabic script. So triangles and circles. And when you look at it, you think, what on earth? Yeah. I have no idea how to read this. But honestly, it breaks it down so easily. Mm. Once you learn those syllabic symbols, yeah. it, it would be a little bit easier as you learn the language to to be able to read it. So it thankful that we don't have to go there and and do that ourselves yeah i think it's such a cool looking language like i'm always fascinated by when i see like wow that is so cool but again like i could never learn that but it's encouraging to hear from you it is learnable obviously it is because it's a language that people use but that's so cool yeah they have charts in the schools we visited the school when we were up there Mm -hmm. and it just breaks it down so nicely and you're like whoa way more simple than i thought that it would be so that's great yeah maybe it is possible (laughs) And then will you guys, like, what is the literacy rate up there? Do you, will you guys be involved in literacy programs potentially? Or do you think everyone is pretty familiar with a written language? We very well could be. Uh, the dropout rate is very high as mm-hmm. well. So majority of the population, I think, honestly, about 60% of the the population is, is youth under 18. Wow. And it, I could be wrong on that number, but mm-hmm. I know it's pretty high. Um, and... There was maybe four or five that were graduating the year that we went up. Mm. So I I don't know at what point, honestly, they would stop going. But uh, from what I've heard from the teachers, I mean, there could be weeks that kids don't show up to school. And if you can imagine as a teacher trying to to do anything in a a community like that, it's it's very difficult. Mm. So I would imagine that the literacy rate is is very low. Mm Um, so one of the questions we like, like asking the ladies that come is, how has the gospel impacted your life? Because we're involved in this ministry of taking the gospel to people who have never heard. Mm-hmm. But surely that's coming out of what we have seen the gospel do in our lives. How has it impacted your life? Yeah, so I was not a believer for majority of my life. You know, I wasn't brought up in, in a home, Christian home or anything like that. And I know what it's like to live in these dark situations. Our families are a mess at times, mm-hmm. and um, we've seen it firsthand. We know it firsthand, the hopelessness. And for me, the biggest difference is the hope that I have. Mm-hmm. And I brought uh, this verse that I always pin on my wall, and I, I kind of look at it every day when I wake up because through all of this, I mean, preparing to to go up north and it's just been a whirlwind, right? Like, Mm -hmm. you know, just even thinking about bringing our family somewhere um, where we wouldn't otherwise is, it's a big deal. And just to think how weak I can be and I know that I can depend on him. And I didn't have that before. Mm -hmm. I was just aimlessly walking through life, depending on myself. And man, I was depressed and I felt lonely. And honestly, the biggest 
the biggest impact is the hope that I have mm. and and the strength that I have in him. Um, but this verse here, um, 2 Corinthians 12, 9, my grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, I will boast all the more gladly about my weakness so that Christ's power may rest on me. Mm. And for sure, just that rest that I have in him, that's the biggest impact. Yeah, that's so true. And that's, yeah, we just pray that that's what you guys can pass on up north is this hope that we have in Christ. So yeah. Well, thanks, Jessica, so much for sharing about Northern Canada with us today. We're really excited for your family this next step as you guys prepare to allocate up north. Thank you so much for having me. Yeah. more about how you can support or join a church development team in Northern Canada, visit us at ethnos.ca. If you haven't already, please subscribe to our podcast. Do you have a question or a topic you'd like to hear about? Please send us an email at compel at ethnos.ca. Thanks for listening.